Hello everyone and welcome to yet another episode of the world's greatest boxing podcast, I Like Boxing with Joe and Joel. I'm Joseph Caulfield, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Joel Ilier. Joel, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Joe, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good. Not too bad. You've been on holiday. I have. I was in the Welsh countryside in Pembrokeshire. Lovely. Absolutely beautiful there, mate. Any highlights for us? The food and the company. Yes, not yes. the stuff that we spoke about. Not the stuff we spoke about, ago. but the food and the company <laughs> were, the, were the highlights of the holiday. Absolutely oh. fantastic, mate. Good, good. Yeah, it was good. It was. That was my first holiday for a little while. Oh, really? Yeah, so I was pleased to... You look well, actually. Thank you. Yeah, yeah thank you. First well, time for everything. That was a nice thing to say to me. Joe followed up by what was expected. Good stuff. How you been anyway, right? I'm good, yeah. Back at work and, yeah, pleased to be back at work because the summer holidays were dragging on. Although, I have to say, it's slightly disappointing. You know, the, the temperature's changed a bit now. It feels like summer's well and truly mm. finished. I always feel a bit sad at the end of summer, like, oh, God, we've got the cold weather to come now. Well, we got one. we got one last day. Of it, I thought on Sunday. I was at a wedding on Sunday, and oh, yeah. it was a it was a nice day. It was yeah. warm. Yeah, but I did think then, well, that'll be that then, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get another one, and then as has proved since. So, yeah. yeah. To be yeah. fair, we had like three really good months of we great cannot, <laughs> which we moaned about incessantly. Yeah. So you know, I don't think we can really say anything, Joe. Yeah. Should we just exactly. shut up and get on with it? Let's shut up and get on with it. Yeah, right. right. Let's start with the news that uh, Queen Elizabeth sadly has passed away. And as a consequence of that, uh, we, we weren't able or certainly not in a position to review Clarissa Shields, Savannah Marshall, because the British Boxing Board of Control decided to cancel that fight and other fights taking place on the Friday and that weekend. We are going to talk about that decision to cancel the boxing later on, on a certain segment. But Joel, what are your thoughts briefly? I mean, it's a bit, it's a big, big news piece. Yeah, I wonder why really we they needed to cancel the fight or postpone it. Of course, because yeah. well, many other sports didn't basically, and I don't really see why this one, a relatively small event in the grand scheme of things, yeah, you know, was taking place on a Saturday night, eighteen thousand seat arena. I think it was it was set up for about ten thousand. So you're talking 10,000 fans yeah. turning up. It's not going to be a problem with the police presence. Yeah. I don't really understand why what's happened here, why the British Boxing Border Control decided that the fight couldn't go ahead because no other sport have done it on the basis of sort of respect to the Queen or the royal family. They've done it on the basis of there are reasons that we cannot hold our event. Yeah. Apart from stuff that happened on the actual day. Yeah. Yeah, and so I don't know why this happened. I'm I'm a bit baffled as as to what's gone on, but I have theories which yeah. we'll discuss later, I guess. Well, the the statement that they released, I mean, it literally said we're you know out of respect yeah. to Her Majesty the Queen. So Ben Shalom has also said that there were issues with media turning turning up to the event, right? Which would therefore make it a smaller event. What, but because that, a load of sports journalists are also political and well, <laughs> he said he said in one of his interviews that he was told by the BBC and others that they essentially wouldn't be covering the fight. Right. I can understand that on the BBC, but I still don't see that as a big enough reason to to pull the fight. Yeah, I have theories and seen what's happened in society over this period. Yep. As of why this could have happened, but we're going to discuss that later. Well, let's go into more detail about this later because okay. I think one of our segments is really going to. We've got some interesting ideas and thoughts on this particular subject. So, really, there's not much news. Uh, let's start with um, Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua, which, which is allegedly. It seems that there's been an agreement via social media, which is, you know, I, I think it culminated in Frank Warren today responding to what's the name of the management company that Anthony Joshua two five eight. So yeah, Frank Warren has responded via social media to two five eight. Anthony Joshua and anyone else who's part of Anthony Joshua's business team, basically saying that they will send the contract over shortly. So no contracts have been signed, but it appears AJ has agreed to a 60-40 split in favour of Tyson Fury. And if AJ wins that fight in a rematch, a 50-50 split. Now, I have to say, I'm 
you know, we generally try to adopt the policy of not talking much about these sort of fights until we know they're happening. Yeah, we've we've recently brought this policy in to stop yeah. wasted time, essentially, on on fights that don't happen, and we're we're backtracking here a little bit, but it yeah. probably is necessary this week. Yeah, exactly. But you had an interesting take on this, Joel, because you think that perhaps AJ has called Tyson Fury's bluff here. To me, it looks like it. I mean, this this follows the pattern of a just a publicity stunt from start to finish so yeah. far. Tyson Fury's just put out a bunch of unreasonable demands, done it very publicly. Yeah. He said that obviously he keeps trying to rush the fight that it should be I think his original day wants to be late October, early November. I think it's third of December this one's Well we settled on, on third of December because yeah. AJ said, Well, I'm gonna wait till at least December to fight. Yeah. And he came up with a date of, I think December seventeenth or something later on in December and Obviously, Fury's then come come forward with this date of December 3rd. I saw an interview with Fury that he mentioned loads of dates, which were obviously complete and utter bollocks because of the <laughs> venues that he proposed them at. One being Wembley Stadium. And, yeah. Uh, Is this the one he was going to pay for everyone to go to? Oh, God. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of it was disingenuous. The only place that this can possibly happen in the UK this December is Millennium Stadium because it's got a roof. Yeah. Even then, I think it's quite unreasonable. It's still going to be absolutely freezing cold uh, yeah. come 10 o'clock on, at night on, in December. Yeah. doesn't seem to make any sense to me. It's a massive boxing weekend. Yeah. And that's traditionally, it's a good weekend for the fight. Yeah. So, okay. Um, no, this was intended as a publicity stunt all along. I think that Tyson Fury is putting a load of unreasonable demands in the contract including the rematch clause at 50 50 seems ridiculous you would have thought if it's 60 41 way in the first fight it'll be that in in the, in the repeats yeah but that's getting bogged down in the sort of details of the contract quite frankly tyson fury doesn't do these fights as we've discussed before yeah anthony joshua is not going to want a fight like this off of a loss like that against usig yeah He's at his lowest with commercial viability at the moment yeah. and his his um his negotiating position. Yeah. The TV they would want it. Yeah. So that's all I can look at. But then what? Does Zone after just, just signing a worldwide contract yeah. with Anthony Joshua now from this fight onwards is going to be happy for AJ to go and fight on BT? Do me a favour. Yeah. So it's, it's not, not gonna, gonna happen. happen. <laughs> this is not going to happen as it has been presented. Now the massive clue i think in this was the fact that what was it friday or saturday they said that we have discontinued the negotiations because of the death of the queen oh yes 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 they did say that yeah so because of the death of a monarch you have to cancel you have to yeah that's what i'm sorry (laughs) this that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever what does make sense yeah is to stop a public slanging match which is pure pr and has no basis in anything concrete that makes a lot of sense yeah when dealing with a a sort of national tragedy yeah as we we currently are yeah so they've they've basically told us yeah i wonder if it's got to a point now where they'll just have to continue the ruse by you know saying (sighs) oh yeah i've just sent a contract yeah well we'll just wait until the the queen's you know funeral profession and all that stuff's been sorted then we'll I mean, it's. Crazy. I think it's it's really possible because look what happened with Tyson Fury, his retirement. Mm. You know, he was asked in this press conference out of the blue, "Are you going to retire?" And he just said, "Yeah." Yeah. And then he had to go along with it for months. Otherwise, he looked like a complete twat. <laughs> and he's obviously he's eventually just gone. Oh, I'm not retired. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. but he went on with it. He went on with it for ages. Yeah. Yeah. And that was not normal behaviour. But we said at the time, he might have boxed himself into Into a corner corner. here, might have to carry this on for quite a while because he's come down so strongly on this. And I think that may be the case. But trust, if this fight gets signed, it will fall through. I'm convinced of that. Yeah, yeah. So basically... In its current form. Yeah, we certainly won't be giving it too much focus or attention until maybe the weekend before the fight if it's been signed and it hasn't been cancelled, then I think we can get excited. I think so. I think, you know, there's certain things that carry the stench of bullshit so strongly we can start calling (laughs) them out. I mean, there was one yesterday, wasn't there? Just just say sort of how how we sort of come to these sort of conclusions. Yesterday, you had the one, didn't you, with Chris Eubank Sr. saying, I've cancelled my son's fight, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you've just got to look at the detail and say, one second, 
Chris Eubanks Sr. is cancelling the fight because his son is overweight four weeks out from a fight. Yeah. Oh, come on. You just look at the details sometimes. I know that's a publicity stunt. What we've got to bear in mind when we're looking at all of these things these days is that no one seems to be interested in telling the truth. Yeah. You know, no one's worried about that. Yeah. So when it comes, so it comes out, and go, oh, I'm not just going to lie. Are they? Yeah. yeah, of course they are. Yeah, yeah. lies are Every- more interesting. They are. Well, <laughs> what is it that the great Steve Bunt says? Don't let truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah, true. Don't I mean, I said it. you looked well earlier, so there's another lie. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on to a couple of other news pieces. So we've got a couple of fights that have been announced. We won't talk about these in too much detail again until they happen. We, you know, there's not, you know, they're not worth much attention. But Vasily Lomachenko against Jermaine Ortiz has been announced for the 29th of October. And another one, I know that we don't like to talk about Jake Paul too much, but I'm quite interested in this fight because he's taking on Anderson Silva on the 29th of October. And this is a 47-year-old Anderson Silva. I still will be gobsmacked if Jake Paul wins this because, you know, you, you'll probably think the same. I mean, Anderson Silva is a legend of MMA and... I think even in his last fight, he looked quite good. It was a boxing match. Yeah, I've got to say, I, I, I think I agree with you. My initial thoughts were, well, Silva will make him look stupid for a few rounds and then yeah. he'll get caught or something because he's 47 years old. Yeah. And actually, the more I've thought about it, no, I think I make you right, actually, Joe. I think that Anderson Silva should just play with him for the, the eight rounds and be, that'll be that. Yeah, yeah. But but there's also that cynic in me that thinks Jake Paul would never have taken this fight unless he knows he's going to win. Well, there's the other side of things that we think that it's possible that all of this stuff is. Yeah, you know. exactly. So and, and, and it could be the case. But then again, if it all is, then why not just fight Boxer? Yeah, yeah. Like Tommy Fury. Tommy Fumbles. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Right. Rest in peace, Ernie Shavers, who passed away last week. I, I was, I believe it was. Joel, here's a question for you: Was Ernie Shavers the hardest puncher in history? Yes. I'm all, glad you said that. All of the heavyweights in the greatest era of heavyweight boxing, who basically all had all-time great chins, all said that Ernie Shavers was the hardest puncher they ever faced. And not only that, when they started talking of Ernie Shavers. They'll quiver, mate. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, you know, the Ali, Foreman, Norton, and Fraser. Yeah. Oh, God, that Lyle fight, mate. Lyle, yeah. I know. Wow. You know, these are, if if you aren't aware or a fan of Ernie Shavers, go watch his fight with Ron Lyle. Go watch his fight with uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah. And these are, you know, real, real great, great. Joe Fraser, these are great fights. Here's a really interesting stat which supports the argument that he was the hardest puncher in history. So his record, I believe at the time of retirement, was 74 victories. Actually, I don't know how many losses he had, but of those 74 victories, 68 were by stoppage and 33 of those stoppages came within the first two rounds that's astonishing that's absolutely insane (laughs) so basically if Ernie Shavers hit you you're more than likely done (laughs) you felt it yeah he of course he had a did he have a he had a title fight with Larry Holmes wasn't it I believe he He did two title fights he lost them both he lost to Ali he lost to Larry Holmes, but the Larry Holmes one was interesting because he knocked Larry Holmes down in that fight. Heavily. And Larry Holmes showed what a heart and he yeah. got up. Ground it out, didn't he? He did, yeah. He did. It was um no, it was a, it was a truly it was a, a special performance actually by Holmes, one of his best in the end. Yeah. I think he, he won by TKO. Yeah, I think he did. He came back to stop him. Yeah. Boxing News did a really nice piece actually on Ernie Shavers in their most recent uh, edition and the number of people who just spoke so nicely and warmly about Ernie Shavers it was re- really great to read so oh, rest in peace Ernie Shavers and our you know our wishes and thoughts go out to his family and friends at this time a true legend from a golden era of boxing mm. well said Joe so Let's go on to our previews because we got an interesting preview coming up. Joel's definitely not going to agree with me on this one, but to be fair, Joel knows what my prediction is anyway. So we're going to talk about Canelo Alvarez against Gennady Golovkin, their third fight, which is taking place this weekend. I'm going to start with you, Joel. Who do you think will win this fight and how? 
So to put it very simply, I think the Canelo Alvarez wins by knockout. How Joe, what, what have you? you? Who have you got, and how? Well, I'm not basing my prediction on any logic, to be brutally honest with you. But I'm going for Gennady Golovkin by knockout. <laughs> so. Going from the beginning here then, so we had their first fight, which was one of the most anticipated fights yeah. in sort of boxing over the last 10 years, really. That was a great technical fight as well. And it was a very good fight to watch, very intriguing, and real, you know, one for the purists. It was. So it was a draw, and that happened in November of 2017. The vast majority of people thought that GGG had won that fight me quite handily. Being you being one of them, uh, me being one of them, HBO's Harold Lederman scored at 16-12, I seem to remember. So Did he clear. go something like this? Okay, Jim. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. <laughs> when you finish here? Okay, Jim. Okay, Jim, this is Six, a robbery. <laughs> there you go. I think he did, actually, Joe. Yes, How yes. did you know? Um, so then they had their rematch, which came after... Sal Canelo out for us is drugs ban. Yes. And this was in September of 2018. Now, the rematch was actually meant to happen in May of 2018. Yeah. And Canelo had a sort of six-month ban. Yeah. So he had a year between fights. It wasn't, you know, wasn't yeah. really a ban, was it? No. But it did push the fight back a little bit. And Triple G was furious. Yeah. So he was furious on several levels here. Obviously, an opponent had tried to cheat yeah. against him. I think he had his suspicions that... Alvarez had been doping in the previous fight. Yeah. And he knew that every day counted at that stage of his career. Yeah. His prime was getting more distant yeah. in the in the rearview mirror. His prime anyway. He's yeah. still a great fighter. Yeah. And so uh, he was furious. Canelo seemed to take it really sort of personally. Yeah. The Triple G was affronted. That he'd been caught cheating drugs yeah it's really odd but what it did was it made this it meant this second fight yeah was a real grudge match yeah and they went into it bad tempered these two yeah and Canelo Alvarez switched game plans in the first fight he was back foot yeah the whole way through and he was getting caught on the ropes yeah and it, it was a tough fight for him second mm. fight tell you what he walked triple G down in this one yeah now I seem to remember at the time scoring it very closely for Golovkin, the second mm. one. And then we watched it again together recently. And I've got to say, it seemed to be a bit of a, a clear Triple G win. Really? Because I remember you saying you thought that the second fight that Canelo edged it. Yeah, well, I did. But remember, we watched it together a few weeks ago and yeah. I changed my mind. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'd, I'd totally forgotten about that. That's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... He's been robbed twice now. He has been robbed twice. I think so. Yeah. Like quite badly. Um, and and the poor guy, if you think about it, how differently would we view Golovkin's career if he'd won those fights against Alvarez? Because as much as as fans, we try to sort of dismiss bad decisions. Mm. Actually, we can't. It does still affect how we rate fighters. Yeah. And... If he'd won his two biggest fights, he would be down as a top five middleweight probably of all time or something along those totally. along those lines. Yeah. And it's difficult without signature victories to do that for, for Gennady. Yeah. So this is the story leading into the fight. So why do you think, so there we're now four years from their second fight, mm. why do you think Triple G is likely to get knocked out in their third one? Bearing in mind he's been robbed twice and put in pretty good performances because Alvarez improved from first to second yeah he showed that he could change his game plan mm -hmm. and wasn't at risk of being knocked out yeah Gennady's old mate yeah he's, he's 40 an old now. man he's 40 which is ancient in boxing terms yeah Bernard Hopkins has skewed our thinking and what is possible for a boxer at this age yeah but he was a one-off yeah and Golovkin, I look at him now and he just looks old. Yeah. He, he looks like an old man. He, You know what? He doesn't look 40. He looks about 45. Now, until he was 39, he only ever looked about 32, 33. Yeah. So in the last year or two, he's really aged. And then I looked at some of those recent performances. Oh, he looks slow. He looked ponderous. And he, he, he had that thing of he looked like he couldn't quite pull the trigger. Yeah. 
And then I flipped this round to go Alvarez. Well, one said this might be a good time to fight Alvarez, which mm. I think you must be thinking he's coming do, off from yeah. a big loss. Yeah. He's been jumping up and down in weight, which yeah. is, you know, possibly a real problem. However, Alvarez is an extremely strong-minded fighter. Mm. And he motivates himself through a sense of injustice. Sort of injustice. Hate. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He hates Triple G, yeah. but this is why I, I, I this is where my lack of logic's coming into it. But this is how the guy motivates himself and he performs well. Yeah. You know, when he's when using this logic and he's got it, he's got a fire in his belly. He knows that a big if if he loses this fight, his standing in boxing history diminishes hugely. Yeah. And he is so concerned about his standing in boxing history. Mm. So I think he's going to come out ferocious. I think he's going to really be motivated here. But actually, I've got two predictions for this fight, right? Go I've, on. I've got Canelo by stoppage. Yeah. And I've got it being the best of the three bouts by a mile. Yeah. I think their second fight was a borderline classic. It was just very high level. Yeah. Their third fight, I think they've both dropped a notch since then, yeah. but these guys are desperate to win. Yes. And it's Triple G's last chance, yeah. and it's Canelo's big chance. Yeah. And so I think that they're going to really be committed here and yeah. go for it. I think they're going to leave it all in the ring, and I think that, you know, they'll, they'll, they both want the knockout. Yeah. So everything you said is so logical, Anyone who is a logical person or a betting person applying logic, they would, you know, be advised to put their money on Canelo Alvarez. The reason I'm backing Triple G is not because I necessarily think he will win, but I it's because I really want him to yeah, win. I could see that. Now, for me, you look at those, those the, particularly the first fight, that's your legacy-defining fight, which has been taken away from you. That was the, That was the clear victory of those two fights. I mean, he won that fight. Yeah. I'm sorry, he won that fight. He won the first fight, clearly. And, and the second fight probably doesn't happen, or it doesn't happen for a few years. Yeah. There are no questions. Gennady Golovkin is still, you know, the middleweight king. Mate, Golovkin probably retires after the first fight. He may if he retire, wins exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I really admire the guy. You know, he's not, uh, he's not been caught doing drugs. I mean, who knows, but I assume he's clean living. I think he is clean living because he's been signed up to VADA 24-7 yes, testing yes. for years. Exactly. Yes. For so years and go. he's paid for it himself. Yeah. This guy, I have no doubt he's clean. Exactly. So there you go. I also believe he is one of the most avoided fighters in history. At his peak, no one wanted to fight Gennady Golovkin. And that has, uh, for all intents and purposes, diminished his legacy potentially because... There weren't many big fights for him. You cannot argue that point. Champion after champion at middleweight avoided him. Exactly. Uh, but in particular, it was Sergio Martinez yeah. and Miguel Cotta. Yeah, exactly. I believe he is an all-time great, irrespective of what happens personally, but I think on paper and a lot of people just won't see it that way Yeah. unless he beats... Canelo Alvarez. Yeah. So for me, I'm almost trying to will this to happen because I feel this is justice. Yeah. This has to happen for me. It's justice. Who could argue that? Now, what I think, and I, I and you touched on the point of motivation. So on that point, I think Gennady Golovkin is going to be so highly motivated. I don't think he's. Re I mean, the payday helps, but I don't think this is a payday fight for him. No. I think this is legacy for him. He is an old man, don't get me wrong, and he's past his peak, and he's even further past his peak than when he last fought Canelo. And Canelo, maybe you'd say he's sort of at the same level from their second fight. Maybe he has improved a bit since then. But what I think Triple G is going to do is, I think he is... I don't think he's going to allow himself to go on the back foot as much as he did in that second fight. I think he's going to have to take a lot of punishment but I think he's hard enough to do it mm. uh, I think at some point in it, and, and I think he knows he has to win this fight by knockout can't this can't he won't win it on points I don't think he'd win it on points anyway given the skill levels I mean I just think it's, it's going to be a really hard fight for him to win on points I think that another thing that's going to count him against him points wise in this fight is that he 
actually hasn't got the work rate anymore, which he would need to win the fight on points. Yeah. So I completely although, agree although, he has to win this on stoppage. Although I do think we, I, I do think there is a very strong possibility that we might see for large portions of this fight the triple G of old in that he realizes it's his last to ras. So we might see that work rate. He's just going to bite on his gum shield and really go for it. What I think might happen though is that at some point in this fight, I think you're right. I think Canelo is going to go in there and just try and take him out. Mm. I think he's really. I think he's going to be. He's going to come out of evil intentions. If he doesn't take Triple G out within the first six rounds of this fight, he. I think is going to suffer from stamina problems. And may, may potentially gas. Yeah, well, this is the problem with jumping up and down in weight exactly. as it does. It yeah. really does deplete the tank. Yeah, exactly. So for me, this is where I'm trying to t- t- take some logic from it. Yeah. This is where I think Triple G has his chance. You're right, though. I think really, realistically, I would. I'm going to be. I would be so gutted if he loses this fight by stoppage. Mm. I mean, it would just be not the way a great, an all-time great fighter for me goes out of boxing. It shouldn't be. So I'm just hoping that he's got that one glass great performance in him. And listen, he deserves this victory. Mm. You know. He's already won those two fights, the first two. Well, I think that it's very possible that he may put in one last great performance, yeah. comparatively speaking. Yeah. However, I think that for a fight of his age and against an opponent of this calibre, that's likely still not going to be enough, even if he performs out of his skin. The chances he wins are just low. Do you, do you think, though, that the animosity that Canelo's bringing into this one, because it, Triple G's really got under his skin. Oh, yeah. I don't think Triple G's done anything. No. He's not bad-mouthed him. Well, he's he's spoken unfavourably about him in terms of... What, his passing discretion. Yeah, but, he, yeah. you know, he hasn't been consistently saying... Like, we see a lot of trash-talking, but... He's, he's not that type. Not trash yeah, he's not that type. He's a gentleman. <laughs> but do you not think that maybe Canelo Alvarez, his sort of un, this undeserving hatred he carries for Triple G, might actually affect him negatively in the ring? If you go into a fight where you're so enraged with your opponent and you just and you're really going for it yeah. if you then can't take that person out no have you you've you you you've emptied the tank no he's a different type of fighter canelo he this stuff motivates him and actually helps him be disciplined and stick to a game mm. plan if you look at what happened against billy joe saunders he was wound up <laughs> like nobody's <laughs> business as billy does to everyone <laughs> and he came out and he just fought very disciplined. He didn't come off his game plan. He didn't panic. He didn't yeah. go out and try and take his head off. Mm. He knew actually that patience was the key and that as long yeah. as he stuck to it, it would do him. Yeah. And I think that that would be, be the case again. Mm. I think that he hated Floyd Mayweather early mm. on. I think he got under his skin. Yeah. I think it didn't work for him. I yeah. think he's learned since then how to channel things better. He's grown up. And yeah. I think he handles this stuff. He's a very mature fighter in the ring. Mm. Really mature. And I think he handles that side of the sport, the mental warfare aspect of the sport really well. Yeah. I think he manages to use this stuff to motivate him. Now Thierry Henry, if like some Southampton player just tried to wind him up or Robbie Savage or Danny yeah. Mills, he'd just humiliate them and yeah. use that anger. Whenever he got angry, angry on a football pitch, We'll yeah. get really happy because we knew it was about to score a hat trick. Yeah, and yeah. and I think Canelo is one of them. He's one of these sportsmen that can just yeah. kind of he can use this stuff to motivate him. So no, I can see why you'd think that. I disagree. I think that he will actually that will be a strength of his. So I mean, there is one other imponderable, and and I know you we you talked about Gennady's performances post the second fight. So let's yeah. just, we'll quickly go through them. Sure. I don't think we need to talk about them per se, but Steve <laughs> Rolls. He knocked out in four rounds. Sergei Derevchenko, which was at him, mean, he Brilliant was hurt fight, in that one. fight, though. Brilliant Golovkin fight. was badly hurt in that fight to the body. So he went to the well in that one. Yeah, and that might have taken something out of him, but he won that on points. Uh, Kemil Zerometa, who he so, stopped in seven rounds. Very. Anyway. Can I just say, just quickly here, Derevchenko, great opponent. Zerometa. Awful. Yeah. And he didn't look brilliant in that fight. Yeah. I and he looked slow. 
And then we've got Rio uh, to Murata, of course, we won. Uh, the, I think it was, was that the WBO? No, it was the... Okay. It was a middleweight title. He knocked him out in the ninth round, but you didn't think he looked very good in that. I actually thought he he did what a 40-year-old fighter should do quite but, well. <laughs> no, but absolutely. But what I'm talking about is I didn't think he looked great in terms of what he's going to need to be for to beat Canelo. I completely agree. If you take that on its own, oh, what a performance. Yeah. As in, if that was just a boxer, even, yes. not even a 40-year-old, just glob. If yeah. that was just a middleweight, yeah. you'd yeah. go, oh, he's so, so on to watch out for. But yeah. this is Triple G. This is one of the guys who we think is actually one of the top few middleweights ever. Yeah. Now, I couldn't possibly put him on that list because he doesn't have the signature victories. And I think it's unfair, but life's unfair. It just is one of those things. Right? Yeah. We, we, I can't rate yeah. him that highly. Yeah. If he wins on Saturday, I can and I will. Yeah. But... What we're looking at there, mate, in those four fights... Oh, yeah. sorry, have you got another one? Well, no, the imponderable here, though, Joel, is that Triple G hasn't lost a fight since the second Canelo. Canelo has. Triple G has not lost the fight since the second fight. However, he's been in two really gruelling wars. Yeah. Canelo hasn't. I get that, but he was fairly comfortably outclassed against Dimitri yeah. Bivol in his last fight and now he's moving down in weight but that's diff- different than taking a paste into your head and body which Triple G did in both the Derevanchenko and Murata fights yeah. he also got his licks in but he took a lot of punishment and he's an old man I agree but I also look at that again I'm, I'm trying to put it in a positive way something about Triple G he's, he's a hard man he can take his licks like I say, if he takes his licks in this fight and he's still in it after six rounds and he's, and, and Canelo starts to go, I think we might, you never know. The other thing, the other thing that I'm looking at here is that I'm looking at, you know, one of my favourite fighters of all time, Juan Manuel Marquez, and he fought Manny Pacquiao yeah. four times and he, you know, they had three fights which were all went to points. He, uh, I think he 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 lost all three, or one was a draw. I know yeah, one the draw, first yeah. one was a draw. draw he lost, lost the next the two three. very close yeah. ones, and in the fourth one, everyone yeah. thought that Juan Manuel Marquez was an old man, and he was an old man, and he was there for the taking. And in that fight, he was hurt, but he was acquitting himself fairly well. He put Pacquiao down, and then out of nowhere, he sent Manny Pacquiao. What's what's the phrase they use in the UFC? But I don't know, but he sent him another on a trip. dimension. <laughs> so, yeah, he put him in another dimension, another reality. Yes. He went on a trip. Yeah. Now, I agree with that. This is what I want to happen. Yeah, I, I'll see. So, this, this is the argument I can give for Triple G for the fight as well. So, yeah. there's an argument. What you've just put in more than a few words there is what I can sum up in a sentence right? yeah. or two. If you give a fighter as dangerous as Golovkin, or as, or as dangerous as Canelo. Yeah. A ch- multiple chances of beating you. Yeah. One of the times they're going to take it. Exactly. If you play with fire too many times, you're going to get burned. And that is what happened yeah. with Marquez against Pacquiao. Pacquiao. Yeah. Now, interesting thing about that one as well is that Marquez fought so, uh, so Pacquiao fought so well for what? Six rounds, seven rounds of that fight. He looked great. I mean, it's the and best he, he looked and, and, against Marquez. Everyone was right. Yeah. Everyone was right. Oh, Marquez is old. He has yeah. got old. Pacquiao is going to win He's this fight. He probably going to, he might get stopped. Yeah. 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 But this is what I mean. Fighters of that cloth, your Marquez's, your yeah. Golovkin's, I think they're just made of something else. And I think he might, but because this, I mean, to be fair, Marquez had had some signature wins, but he didn't have Manny Pacquiao. And I think once he had Manny Pacquiao, mm. You, you, I mean, if not that there was any doubt, but you knew he was an all-time great anyway. Yeah, yeah. What a fighter. I think, do people... I mean, you said before that people don't give uh, Triple G all-time great status. Do they, do they not? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think... No, I don't think they do. I think a lot of people won't give him that sort of status until yeah. he beats Canelo. Yeah. Because there aren't any big names on that resume. No, I mean, it's not. They just you wouldn't know, fight him, as we discussed before. They, so would, they would not fight him. We, but that's sad, and I'm just hoping that the gods are going to look down favourably, because I think it's the right, you know, it's right that he ends his career with this signature victory. Here's a, an aspect we haven't discussed yet. This fight's happening at 168 at super middle. Yeah. This is Golovkin's first fight at super middle. Does this help him at this stage of his career? I think so. I think it does as well. Listen, the guy's a thorough professional. He's ne- He's always been 
in or around the middleweight limit anyway. Mm. And for someone who's 40, obviously means that he's living the lifestyle a boxer should. But yes, it will help him because it means that he won't necessarily have to, you know, cut weight. He can put on a bit more muscle. Yeah. Probably, you know, eat some more of his favourite, you know, well, not Mexican beef, but other beef, you know, <laughs> Kazakhstan beef. <laughs> Joe, that's naughty, mate. That's Kazakh, naughty. Kazakh beef. Look, um, I think that, yeah, this is, that, that's a real possibility there. Now I'm starting to, haven't had that thought, I've reassessed my worries about how badly he'll be affected with stamina issues because maybe that is caused in large part by making weight at an old, older age. Yeah. And also, you know, you, I do think that the Canelo jumping up and down in weight. So here's a, here's a thing as eventually? well, right? I don't think it's natural what Canelo Alvarez has done in terms of his weight jumps. It's just, it, it, it def- almost defies logic. And Carl Froch has sort of hinted at it quite a bit in some of the interviews just you know that's just not normal and I think what we're alluding to is we know he's a drug cheat mm. how long has he been doing it for you know at some point no, now I have to assume that he's no longer taking peds yep. because he's been caught I assume this is a VADA tested fight as well might be wrong but you know I, I think it is but I don't know is this sort of VADA under WBC well, rules or is it proper VADA let's testing? Let's assume he's not know. going to be brazen enough to 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 take to take PEDs if he can get away with it. It right? depends what the rules are. The only you don't need to be taking PEDs right into the lead up of a fight in order for it to be advantageous for you. Yeah, it just needs to be you know you're training over the last year or something. But you're probably right. So. Okay, so let's assume that Canelo is clean for the Bivol fight. Not a great performance. Yeah. Could the same thing happen here? It could. It could. And we've discussed before that the gym as a whole is under a lot of suspicion. Yeah. And maybe they do have to tread very carefully. And I, I do think as well that the... Lot- so, sorry, the argument you're making yeah. here, let's be explicit yeah, about be explicit. it. We're not, is- we're not saying he's taking peds. There's no risk here. Yeah. We can just so say... What we're saying is, is that you think that there's a very high possibility that he is not taking PEDs. Yeah, he's a clean fighter. And that that's not necessarily new. We're not saying that he is, we're saying it's not necessarily, what we're saying is, is that, is this his new level? Exactly. Because he is an entirely clean fighter. Exactly. That's really possible. You know, we've I seen it happen with other, I think that we've seen Jim in general. Look what happened to Oscar Valdez. I mean, I understand Oscar Valdez stepped up hugely uh, yeah, against Shakur Stevenson. Stevenson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that only being not that <laughs> or to, um not that he ha- Oscar Valdez had been fighting a low level of fighter. Yeah. It's just that Shakur Stevenson it turns out it's looks brilliant. like he's yeah. Yeah. I mean it looks like he's gonna be an all time great. Yeah. He looks on some different planet. Yeah. So we look at his last fight, his last two performances comparative to his previous against Burchell. Mm. Well, massive drop off. Exactly. And then let's look at Alvarez's last two performances during the same time period. Mm. Big drop off. Exactly. Big drop off. Exactly. So is, has something happened here? Who knows? Who knows indeed. So you're going for Canelo to win by stoppage. I'm going for triple G based on not much, but I just I'm willing it to happen. And it's a strong prediction of mine. I'm really quite confident in this one. Yeah, if if you were a betting man, you put a lot of money yeah. on it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that makes me so sad because I trust your predictions. It makes quite me a bit. sad as well, Joe, because I would love, I would love Canelo to get beat here. I really would. I think both of us, no matter what I've just said, yeah. are badly one triple G to, to win. win. This fight. We're going to be supporting him all the way on Saturday exactly. night. So come on, Golovkin. fingers crossed. Let's move on to the Kinahan of the week. which brings shame on boxing. So we've decided to award the Kinnan of the Week to the British Boxing Board of Control who decided to cancel all events this weekend as a mark of respect to the Queen. So this included the Clarissa Shields-Savannah Marshall fight and the Michaela Mayer-Alicia Baumgardner fight. Now... 
Whilst I understand the sentiments that many around the country are sad and in mourning and so on and so forth, I just cannot see how the cancellation of any sporting event affords the Queen due respect. I'm afraid ordinary, everyday people still have lives, still have bills to pay, still have things to do, and this will have impacted on them hugely. The boxers in question, massively inconvenienced. Maybe not so much the main event card fighters. I'm sure their contracts cover every eventuality, but undercard fighters, are they, you know, they're going to have to wait another month to get paid. They're going to have to pay, presumably, for sparring partners, blah, blah, blah. There's just a lot of All kinds of expenses which are incurred with a delayed fight. Exactly. I think you could pay the proper respect by having these events and just having a minute silence before the events are due to take place. Give them two minutes silence. Or sing the national anthem if it's that important to you. Exactly. You know, there there are things you can do. Do the the ten-bell salute. You know, all of these. We can do real tributes. In fact, it gives us more of a chance to give a tribute if the event goes on. Yeah, and what was interesting is I read a quote, I'm not sure who came out of it, but this just hit the nail on the head for me. It said, we've been ruled by a strong, inspirational female leader for 70 years, and we've just cancelled an inspirational, historic, groundbreaking, all-female boxing event to pay our respects, when allowing it to go ahead will have been far, far more respectful. Who said that? I'm not too sure. I will try and find out for you, Joel. get credit. Uh, I think it was Tim Rickson. Good man. So look... I think as well, yeah. I think a big one here is if the Queen was who we are all led to believe that yeah. she was, if the tributes that are coming out are all true and accurate, yeah. she would never have wanted no. this fight to be called off. She wouldn't want anything to be called off. You no, get absolutely. on with your life. Exactly. You know, tough things happen in life and we've got to move on and we've got to keep going forward. Totally And agree. why does everything have to stop? The, the other thing as well, which I, I think is really unfair, is that you know, other than the participants in the sporting events themselves, the boxers, mm. what about, you know, Joe down the road who spent a few hundred quid on a hotel or paid, for, you know, <laughs> is he going to get that refunded? What about some of you the Chrissa Shields fans who would have exactly. bought from tickets America. from the US exactly. to come over here? They're you not know. getting refunded. Of course they're not getting refunded. No. no. So does that mean... Oh, the other thing which was, which was interesting, I was actually thinking about this when I was driving up here. I was just thinking, what if... Now we've cancelled. Now we've postponed it up until some date in October, I believe it is. What if one of those two fighters suffers a serious injury, right? Yeah. And then the other fight has to take a different opponent. What if they lost that fight? Clarissa Shields against Savannah Marshall then becomes far less important at the moment. That is the biggest fight in women's boxing. Bigger there, than Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano for me in terms of skill level. There is no replacement yeah. for this fight. No, So exactly. if this fell through, there's nothing that gets Clarissa Shields, for instance, yeah. even 30% of yeah. what she'll get paid for this fight. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just thinking, you know, for, for the sake of paying due respects, deference to, to the Queen. Like, I, I, I think she wouldn't have wanted it. I really, no, I, I, not, well, I think that... And it ruined my weekend because it was no sport. <laughs> and I'm being selfish. So I, I think care. what's happened here anyway is is that the class rules have come into effect. And let's have a look at how different sports have handled this situation. Yeah. Rugby, oh no, we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll pay our respects. Yeah. Cricket? Cricket, oh, yeah. we'll go ahead. We'll, we'll pay our respects. Yeah. Horse racing mainly went yeah. ahead. Yeah. Golf, the event didn't take place because it was starting on the Friday. Yeah. But nothing, I could understand how things couldn't go ahead on that yeah. on Friday, you know, with, with what the news was. However, our working class sports, yeah. boxing and football in this country, that is both run by and appeals to the masses. Yeah. Well, we've just, we've just gone, oh, 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 doff our cap. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yes, master. You know, and that's what I don't like is that the working class sports are doing this deferential stuff. Yeah. Whereas the upper class sports are not showing deference and are showing respect in a reasonable way, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, but they're not going, well, 
we don't have the right to go ahead with what we're doing. They're they're securing their right to be who they are yeah. and go and do what they want to do. Yeah. Whereas boxing and football yeah. have got a bit all jittery about things and mm. and have, have then gone and just cancelled what the, they're doing. And I think that that is bad yeah. management. But and the thing that I do think we have to make this point though, Joe, is that the the cancellations were not forced on the British Boxing Board of Control no. by any heart. That was a decision they made themselves. This is what Same I'm saying. Same as the Football Association. Yeah. They, it was a decision they made yeah. themselves. But that, you know, the government actually said, look, it's up to you. Mm. No, we're not going to impose like a cancellation. I mean, who knows? There may have been some sort of like pressure, some sort of, you know, we're not going to impose it. But, but I, look, for me, they made that decision themselves. Yeah. It's a, it's a terrible decision to make. It's impacted working class people yep. severely. Mm. And I just don't see anything really being said about that in the media. I completely you know? agree. Well, they're not. It's not being... Not, but nothing in the media is being analysed like that at the moment, is no. it? Yeah. The I, mean, I, I mean, hopefully I it comes to a well. time, and I do get that. Um, we're not in an analytical phase at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I, I just I do agree, though, Joe, and I find it it's it's depressing and and mm. it's as you say it's unnecessary, really. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. So, British Boxing Board of Control, you are our Kinahan of the week, and I mean there was a lot of stuff on social media. There were a lot of people in boxing circles who said this is ridiculous decision, yeah. and because it was such a last minute decision, I mean it was made on the it was made on the Friday evening, I think. So the day before the fight. I mean, they are literally like just about. I mean, they've made weight. They've put all that prep in. They are literally raring to go. It was astonishingly weak management as well, mate, because it was left until the last minute. And the reason was is that apparently the British Boxing Board of Control were waiting for the Premier League to make their decision. Grow up. Yeah. Like, you're the British Boxing Board of control. Yes. You're in control, fellas. Yeah. Like, you make the rules here. Don't, what are you waiting for the Premier League to make their decisions for? You're not football. Yeah. You've not got, you know, 10 games going on over the weekend or whatever. You know what I mean? You've not yeah. got all of this stuff going on. You've got yeah. an event that you need to keep going and you've, you've, you know, you've bottled it. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you're right, Joel. Right, let's move on to the magazine lottery. So by the looks of the magazine you've got there, it's uh, come, maybe come from the 1980s. Yeah, it, well, <laughs> 1990. So 1990, there we go. okay. Right. Right. Was, it Harold the Bomber Graham? It was. Right? It was July 20th, 1990. Oh, yeah. um, it was Harold the Bomber Graham on the front page of Boxing News. Yeah. And I decided not to go with that story, though, okay, because yeah. the story it was briefly discussed, but it wasn't a very big story, but we could have done the fight, obviously, yeah. Graham against Julian Jackson. Yes. The fight did happen. This fight happened after that edition. Was it that did. a piece it happened, the fight that was about to happen? It happened in the December, I think, no, November or December of 1990, that fight. Right. Um, and it was one of the most remarkable knockouts you'll ever see and one of the most remarkable fights you'll ever see. So it, we could have we could have done it, but <laughs> I decided against it. Right. Um, Eric Armit wrote a fantastic article yeah. on page ten. Yes. A two-page spread. Yeah. Which was titled "Sanctioning Bodies Who Needs Them." Yay! And <laughs> he just made some really. I mean, it was a very thorough article, and you know, it was very interesting. So it's titled. It was titled that tagline: "Too many titles devalue championships, but TV need them to attract." Viewers, so this article came in the aftermath of James Buster Douglas's 42 to 1 victory over Mike Tyson, yeah, which had happened in the January of 1990, I believe. Yeah, and Eric Armit, the author of the article, was arguing that the WBA and WBC had disgraced themselves and had devalued themselves in their reaction to the fight. Because remember, they... This rings a bell now. They okay. tried to strip James Buster Douglas exactly. of the belt. Don so, King's involved as yeah, well, isn't Don he? Don King made the argument that there was a long count and oh, yes. this and that. And, you know, totally that when remember this Douglas now. had gone yeah. down, that the fight should have been stopped then. And that Tyson got a short count. And he successfully, Don King, lobbied the governing bodies. Was it the WBC, the Silliman's? WBC and the WBA. Yeah. Then, um, so it's Silliman's and the Mendoza's. Yeah. Then rescinded recognition of Buster Douglas as the champion. Now, within a few days, there was such a massive outpouring of public outrage yeah. that within a few days, the decision was reversed yeah. and blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. 
what Eric Armit says here is that the sanctioning bodies had done themselves such harm hmm. publicly yeah. with this decision that they may never regain their footing. Yeah. Now, he came up with some really interesting articles. He did some um, sort of arguments. He did some sort of pros and cons yeah. as to, you know, what they were good for. And he came up with some really good points. So he said yeah. that actually the boxing commissions have managed to sort of unify some rules yeah. across boxing. Yeah. You know, most of their rules now are taken in in, in, in any any uh, region. Yeah. Um, he said that TV companies rightly like it because it does make fights bigger having yeah. these having these um fights on something that i'd never really considered was that he makes the argument that the fact that they have mandatory challengers said this didn't exist before the governing bodies yeah and it does help it helps fighters get paid yeah but it helps them get their deserving shot i mean you know uh sam langford he yes. would have been mandated by a Quite sanctioned organisation repeatedly, you <laughs> yeah. know. So if the WBC had existed, maybe yeah, Sam Lamford would, would have been one of the greatest heavyweight champions yeah. in history. So, you know, there are solid arguments. Yeah. Um, mm. However, his main argument is that these, basically these companies are badly run. And yeah. It doesn't say it specifically, but they're shady, they're corrupt. Yeah, they are. And... You know, this is a, a problem. And anyway, he makes essentially the sort of prediction in the article that maybe they'll die out, these sanctioning bodies. Yeah, didn't quite happen, though. Well, what happened was in the 90s, you got a proliferation of sanctioning bodies. You got the WBF and the WBU and all of these guys, <laughs> and they were constantly promoted on telly as legitimate world titles. Yeah. You know, w and since that article, he talks about the WBC, WB, uh, WBA, IBF mm. being the sanctioning bodies of the sport of no, what matters if we well. if we drop one or two of them. Yeah. But yeah, it's the opposite that's happened, no, isn't we've it? Got, we've got an extra one. We've proliferated them. We've got an extra big one. We've got a big four now. What's interesting as, as well, so I just want to emphasise the point in case it's maybe been a little bit lost for our listeners. So in that fight, which was probably the biggest upset in modern boxing history mm-hmm. and maybe even in boxing history full stop i think in Mike sport Tyson history at that point it? was essentially unbeatable no i think that goes down as the biggest shot the in biggest sports history in sports history yeah, yeah. Yeah. So mike tyson at that point was essentially unbeatable and if you've seen hit some of his fights from the late 80s you kind of get an idea of why buster douglas had lost not just one i think he'd lost a few fights and had all and 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 uh, I don't know what the phrase is. He'd certainly failed to live up to expectations yeah. and had been a bit of a disappointment as a fighter. Anyway, so he was a forty-two to one underdog, which in betting terms basically means you might as well not turn up. And, his, <laughs> and it's just don't. And don't his mum, his mum had died weeks before the fight, and that was actually yeah. probably the inspiration for him to put in the kind of performance he did. And and let's also be honest, Mike Tyson didn't take the fight seriously. No, didn't train properly. Didn't take the fights. So you got that perfect storm of one fight the underdog who has huge motivation probably trains the hardest he's ever trained and you've got the other fighter who does the opposite and Buster Douglas uh, won that fight put Mike Tyson in fact actually before he knocked Mike Tyson out he he was winning on points, but he got knocked down, I think, in the ninth round by Mike Tyson and yeah. just about made it up. He was hurt. And then I think in the next round, he knocked one. Mike Tyson out. Yeah. And Mike Tyson, to be fair, was out on his feet. In fact, his corner had so little respect for Buster Douglas's chances that what was that? They didn't even bring an end swell. They didn't the even corner. bring it, yeah, to, to help reduce the swelling yeah. from the. And he yeah. took a lot of punches in that fight. And his trainer in that fight was actually just his mate. Yeah. He was giving the worst corner instruction I've ever heard. Yeah. He was pleading with Mike, sort of begging him in a sort of feeble child's voice between yeah. rounds to sort of do something. Yeah. Whilst treating his swelling with a what seems to be a condom full of water, not even ice. Oh gosh. Jeez. So that just describes the fight. The point I was going to make was that James Buster Douglas has pulled off the biggest upset in sporting history he is now the heavyweight champion he holds two organizations heavyweight titles and in the aftermath of that fight dirty don king persuaded those two organizations Mm. to essentially strip james buster douglas of his titles on the basis that he when he was knocked down he received 
a very long count, and yeah. that's why he was able to get up. Utter nonsense. Yes. And the out- what you're right, it was the public outrage that caused the, the uh, you know the sanctioning bodies to basically do an about turn. You know, climb. You know, what's that? You know that meme where Homer's coming out of the bush comes out of the bush and then he goes oh, back, back in. into the that's, bush. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Go back in the bush. Yeah. But I mean, absolutely crazy. But yeah, I mean, I can totally understand why. I mean, we do live in, uh, you know, in, in modern boxing now. There, I would like to see, like, it will never happen, but wouldn't it be great if there was just one title in each division? That's why I think we've started just recognising the valid number one in the division as champion. We don't mention the others. Yeah. You know, obviously bo- boxing news, boxing news do it. <laughs> boxing news go by the um, transnational rankings. Yeah. I think Ring Magazine go by their own rankings. Um, yeah. You know, I think that that's the only reasonable thing to do really is to try and just strip these guys of any legitimacy yeah. with sort of hardcore fans. Yeah. And then maybe it'll filter out, you know. Because the other thing as well is that that, may, that is very much much a thing that maybe does put a lot of casual fans off from getting into it I mean if you've got someone who might be interested in boxing and they yeah. find out that there's four different champions in one division and none of them have fought each other so it's, it's going to look a little bit like what the hell is going on here well it's double edged though isn't it because you've on the one hand got that as the long term outlook for a prospective fan of the sport mm. you're absolutely correct however in the short term and this is how the sport is run mm. on the short term. It's actually it's beneficial to the single event to have a bo- you know bullshit yeah. and an illegitimate title because money as well. yeah the, the reason that it is how it is that the TV companies want it like this because they know that their ratings are better yeah. if they can sell some sort of title title trinket. but trinket exactly <laughs> but, but you know would they not be more invested if the champion was the champion? In the contenders. Yeah. You know, because what we're talking about, these fights that are sort of, you know, contenders, but they're masquerading as title fights. Exactly. Well, aren't they... If there was a real prize to be going for, Mm. then it'd be bigger. Look at UFC, for instance. You know, their bouts between the number three and number five are massive Massive within their sport. Exactly. They're massive fights. Totally agree. So the other thing which is quite interesting is that because you've got, you know, four major sanctioning bodies... Sometimes you'll get a so so this is something that kind of dawned on me the other day is that sometimes so you'll have a unification fight right so unification just means that two different at least two different sanctioning bodies are on the line well between two and three Mm. undisputed is for all four yeah very rarely will you get a fighter who is the undisputed champion in their weight division because each of those sanctioning bodies will have mandatories and if you don't fight their mandatory by a certain date you get stripped essentially of your title you can't keep the belts exactly. if you've got all of them you can't keep them exactly yeah. but yeah. part of me just thinks well if you've won all of them then why you surely you need to lose them in the ring i agree i, I you know i couldn't agree more and i've never really understood why a fighter isn't considered you know undisputed if they've held those belts in the past mm, yeah, yeah. But Joe Calzaghi had held all four belts at super middle. Yeah. You know, when, you know, other fighters were like Lucian Butte and stuff were, mm. were calling themselves champions. So, I don't, you know, these things can, you know, Mikel, same with Calzaghi, had already owned the WBA belt when Mikel Be- Kessler was WBA champion. Mm. You know, so why were we seeing Mikel Kessler as a yeah champion yeah i mean you know why yeah. wasn't he uh, yeah i completely agree with that point yeah. it's a it's a it's an interesting one but we've we spoke about this so many times and anyone who's into into you know really into boxing will will know about this we have but i think we need to hammer this point home repeatedly yeah you know i really do i think it's such it, it's such a, a danger to the sport yeah. and, but it's been going on you know this was what like nearly God, it's just thirty odd years ago now. Yeah. Thirty-two years ago, and it's just Back exactly when you were looking the same. fresh. <laughs> I thought Sorry. I was looking better than I for ages. <laughs> oh, and you were, uh, you know, moustache and, and beardless. But anyway, yeah, I, 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 I was looking you very fresh. You know what? I was cute back then, and mate, yeah. you, you were still ginger. <laughs> Oh, he's coming back. He's got the barbs out now. 
Right, I think that brings the show to an end. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Joel, for your time. And also to our listeners, if you've enjoyed the show, please feel free to share us on social media platforms and leave a review on Spotify. Don't leave one if it's bad. <laughs> or one Five star eight, and above. <laughs> or you're free to leave on Acast and Apple, Mute, Apple oh, yeah. Podcasts and all of that as well. Oh, Just leave a review. One. It does really help us. Yes, exactly. So that's it. So next time we chat to you, hopefully Triple G will have secured his legacy. <laughs> I'd say there's, what do you reckon, the percentage chances of that? <laughs> low, mate. One. <laughs> Five. Very low. We're talking less than 20 here. Yeah, come on, Triple G. Well, on that note, I shall say bye. And Joel? Uh, love you. Goodbye. Goodbye.